Hey, I'm Drew. Welcome to Movies and Mocha's Caffeinated Film Talks. This is where we drink coffee and discuss our favorite movies. Each week, one of my friends and I will talk about a different movie. So brew your favorite coffee, relax, and let's get started. Welcome to Movies and Mocha's Caffeinated Film Talks. My name is Drew. I am... I guess you could call me the host for this. I don't really know if that's an apt term that I will call myself, but this is where um, I'm just going to talk about movies with my friends, and we are going to discuss them and talk about why we like them, why we didn't like them, fun little trivia facts behind the scenes, and just laugh and have fun while drinking coffee and talking about movies. Today, we have my friend Megan with us. Hi. Megan, what exactly do you do? So, I do... I work in film. Um, I've done some indie films, some short films. I've directed a few short films, and I'm working on writing some feature-length scripts and pilots right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. So today, we are drinking coffee from one of my favorite coffee shops here in Nashville. It's a local, uh, very big favorite of both the locals and the tourists. Mm-hmm. And um, we're drinking them out of these super cute branded mugs that have the logo of the podcast on them. I love them. They're so cute. Yes, my friend Brittany is a genius at design. Yes, they're wonderful. I love it. She's killed it so far. She's amazing. She's done a great job. And it's great coffee, too. Oh, it's delicious coffee. It's a pour over instead of a mocha today. It goes back and <laughs> forth. They have a lot of different drinks that I love, and I'll drink them all, but, like, it's quickly become <laughs> one of my favorite coffee shops, and mm. even then, the rest of their drinks are delicious. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, I love it. I love so that yeah. place. So, the movies and mochas with coffee from my favorite shop. Yeah. Some days, it's going to be mochas from there. Some days, it's going to be pour-overs from their beans that I buy. So, today, we're talking about Iron Man. Uh, now, this is one of my favorite movies, uh, and this is kind of the movie that got me interested in film. In general, I was only 10 when it came out, so I wasn't interested right then, but it was always a favorite of mine that I started learning more about the behind the scenes of it, which is kind of what made me interested in learning more about film in general. Um, And I know for you, Megan, this is also a uh, favorite of yours. Yes, this is probably on my list of like top 10 films of all time. Um, I was 14 when I saw it, and I think. I mean, I already loved movies before this, but I think this really launched my, um, I got really into Marvel and superheroes and comic books after seeing this movie. So this kind of launched my Marvel obsession. It, mo- it launched everyone's Marvel <laughs> obsession. Let's be Pretty honest. Much, yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. It, mo- it launched everyone's. I wasn't a fan of comic books or even like superheroes really until this one came out. Well, this, this one was so, it just. I remember going to see it, and I had liked superhero movies. I had, like, watched cartoons. I had... Well, the X-Men movies were out at this point. Yeah. Like, I'd, I had seen those. But, right. And, and Hugh Jackman, you'll always be a fan of Hugh Jackman, especially as Wolverine, because yeah. let's be honest, it's Hugh Jackman. But even then, I wasn't as interested mm-hmm. in even superheroes until, right. like, Iron Man came out. I, I did love the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. I saw all of them in theaters. Love those. But... Um, didn't, I definitely didn't get into comics. I definitely didn't care too much about superheroes. I think I went to this because my brother probably like wanted to go see it. And I probably was like, oh, yeah, I like Spider-Man. It looks like an action movie. Let's go see this movie. I have no idea what it's about or who Iron Man is. And it just, I remember walking out and be like, it felt more plausible and real than other superhero movies I had seen before and I just I connected with that and suddenly it was like oh I really get this character and like this world kind of, it kind of feels like it could happen and it feels grounded and well it's all based in science and engineering right and those are two very real things that's why I like it because it's not I like science fiction but I like science science fiction right right it's where it's more realistic like okay I could see someone being crazy enough to try this in a lab Mm-hmm. instead of like versus radioactive space spider or ra- yeah like <laughs> yeah or like the space sci-fi kind of like the fantasy side of sci-fi mm-hmm. i like the realistic stuff which is why in case someone a genius gets that uh, kidnapped and has to build something to get his way out right okay that is super plausible mm-hmm. in my mind like it could happen mm-hmm 
Absolutely. And I know they tried to ground this movie a lot. Like, um, they tried to, every time the suit was on screen, it was like, okay, how do we make it seem like this suit could actually exist? And how could we make it seem like this mm-hmm. technology is like, uh, real and uh, stuff like that. So it just, it felt very, and just the character felt very real. It felt like a real person, felt like someone you could connect to. And yeah. I just, I think I went and saw it in theaters the second time. I remember coming out loving it. And then I just got fully into Marvel and comics and Iron Man as a character after this movie. Iron Man and Tony Stark is hands down my favorite, like Marvel character. Oh yeah. Ever. Absolutely. But it is because he's so relatable. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they like, did. They did a really good job of making him relatable, even though he really shouldn't be. Right. Like y- you have a character who's a billionaire who lives in mansions, who's a genius, who's like has this crazy technology, flies a suit around. Shouldn't really relate to people, but he's so human. He's so yeah. flawed. He fails. He's, he's so vulnerable. Yes. He's vulnerable. He has emotions. He like regrets things he's done. He tries to make up for it. Mm-hmm. He messes up again. Like it's just his journey is like everyone can relate to yes. his story. It's not the specific details. It's the process through it right. is what makes him so relatable mm-hmm. and even, even more relatable in future films. Like, right. Uh, like Iron Man 3, the constant, the PTSD and the panic attacks, mm-hmm. which go even further in like Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. which, you know, like it's killer robots. That's whatsoever not <laughs> relatable, <laughs> but like the 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 thoughts behind it and yeah. even even going all the way to Endgame, like everything from Iron Man to Endgame is the the way that they built the character of Tony Stark made him relatable to so many Absolutely. people His yeah the marvel movies themselves get less and less plausible less and less grounded which I, I think is fun i don't think there's anything wrong with that i do i think starting in a more grounded place probably helped them build yeah a fan base easier than if they had started with the infinity stones and aliens and everything right off the bat it's like imagine starting imagine starting with guardians of the galaxy right like most people are not going to go see that but because they've already been pulled in with previous films now they're going to go see it and now they're going to be more open to you taking Mm -hmm. the world in this direction but as the world gets more and more crazy and wild i mean in game it's just like so far away from iron man in terms of like the world and Mm -hmm. like the the threat and what's happening but tony as a character has stayed very relatable very human uh throughout the whole thing and so you can still relate to him in in game even though like Oh, he's and very he's related. He, I, I, I honestly feel like he is the most relatable in Endgame. Yeah. Than he is in any other movie. Oh, interesting. He is on a human level. Mm-hmm. It's a toss-up between. There's a handful of movies where he's super relatable. In Iron Man three, he's the most relatable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into that in future episodes. Yeah. That's another. That's another talk. That's down the line. It's Iron Man one today. Yes. But, like, think about him in Endgame. Mm-hmm. You know, he's retired. Mm-hmm. He's mourning the loss of a kid while he got he got married. He's finally getting to have a family. He's willing to help again, but he's determined to not risk his family. Right. Um, I feel like those are just qualities that are really relatable to a lot of people. Very true. So, yeah. I feel like on that side of it, he's super relatable as a human in endgame mm-hmm. he he just he's a great character he has mm-hmm. always stayed relatable and part of that is just down to the incredible acting mm-hmm. robert downey jr and just him grounding that character so much in authentic emotions and motivations mm-hmm. and just ah oh, what a great casting choice good job john favreau <laughs> honestly like hands down to you also today it's the anniversary of Tony Stark in the uh, MCU is gone. Gone. So sad. Yeah. I cried. Oh, I bawled. Oh, I cried do you all remember three we had, times. I do you remember <laughs> we had lunch that day? We did. We did. And we were both just emotional. It was. So I'm pretty sure this is the first time we both had lunch just as the two of us. I think so. It was after Endgame. And it was because we talked so much about Iron Man at church. Yes. To the point that I think we spent like two hours just standing at church and then walking to your car. I think we and did. then talking in your car and yep. then you talking while you drove me back to church <laughs> to get to my car. Yes, 
And so we're like, let's get lunch before Endgame. But yeah, no, we had like lunch at the pharmacy. We did. It's the only time I've been there still. <laughs> um, yeah, we had lunch at the pharmacy and we're talking about it. And we ta- we ended up talking to so many people that were like, oh, we're going to go see Avengers Endgame today. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I think it had just it was, come out. That was so it was a Thursday. Okay. A year ago today was a Thursday because yes. it was like that early viewings that right. people were going to. This movie broke the internet. It did. It broke the internet. So anytime something it came out with it, it broke the internet. Wild. I remember um, the minute tickets got released, jumping on to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. And it's the only time when I've tried to buy a movie ticket and I've been placed in like a, a waiting, waiting room. room. <laughs> I So I got really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... My friend George gave me his credit card because I had paid for our Captain Marvel tickets. So he was paying for our Endgame tickets. Mm-hmm. But he was working and I had the day off. So I uh, so I was in charge of using his card to buy tickets. And I had happened to have unintentionally gotten perfect timing of I refreshed the Regal app right at 10 a.m. Like, I didn't even try, like, I wasn't even thinking about it, mm-hmm. but I remember I was like, oh, s- oh, tickets are open. Awesome. And I clicked it and nothing had been bought yet. And oh, so wow. I bought two tickets. And then literally like five minutes later, you just see all the news headlines are like the, like the internet has shut down. It was crazy. I've never seen a reaction to a movie like that. Mm-mm. And I, I mean, I understand like this series has been building for 10 years like uh, we we talked about how young we were when iron man came out and we got oh at that point it was 11 years oh yeah it was over a decade and it kind of reminded me of when the eighth harry potter book or movie was coming out in terms of like this series has been going for so many years people Mm -hmm. have like they've grown grown alongside it like these characters have been with them for so long and the finale to that story is just such a big deal because you've you've really Mm -hmm. connected to these characters you care about them you want to see how it ends and this is like this is the finale of this story so i remember yeah it was it was that was fun (laughs) it was a great premiere it was really entertaining and it but it was just interesting how crazy everyone got about it i have a video of some guy dressed up in full authentic winter soldier amazing (laughs) mask and make mask and makeup everything at the movie and it was like afterwards and Mm -hmm. we were like i don't know and i my friend it was my friend and i he was the only one i knew in this whole circle of like maybe 15 people Mm -hmm. it felt like a mini comic-con i've never (laughs) it kind of did i've never experienced something like it before but this guy was dressed like the winter soldier full regalia um and he started dancing (laughs) in this really weird I think kind of seductive dance. Oh no. <laughs> but it was like, I don't know. It was it was funny at the time. Right. It was funny in the in the moment. It was right, really right. funny. And so I started getting it I started videotaping it. And he caught me like almost as soon as oh, I started no. videotaping it. And so the whole time he's just locked eyes <gasps> with me <laughs> dancing this weird in dance in full winter soldier. I still have the video. That's great. And I don't think I saw anyone dressed up at the one I went to honestly oh, but we I, I was wearing everything. an iron man shirt like people were like we had everything we had a nick yeah. fury we had captain america we had a guy dressed up just as tony stark with a fake arc reactor nice. attached the winter soldier <laughs> a couple thors it was i've never had an experience like watching that movie in the theater that first time i i i think still that it did really compare to harry potter eight so that was the only yes. when deathly Bar- hollows part two came out i think that's the only thing i can compare it to because people were dressed up then it's same kind of excitement and energy but this this was the only other time that's happened and just the screaming Crazy. and certain parts and just oh the excitement gosh. and everybody was in it together and we were all finally experiencing the finale it, it was a lot of fun the experience in the theater was also something i've never oh, had before yeah. just the complete unity yes of everyone like normally it's like you don't talk no matter what you don't make a noise at one point the entire theater jumped to their feet (laughs) was it the hammer uh it was either the hammer or when spider-man came through the portal okay yes 
I think we did it both. I think <laughs> I think we did it for both, honestly. And even so, and even me, like I'm not a Captain America fan, but like I like that hammer scene. I was like, oh yes, I know. It was just part like, of me for fun. a split second was like, Loki's not dead. He's coming he's, back. <laughs> well, and he was invisible, mm. and he finally like has proved himself. Mm. Like for a split second, that was gotcha. my theory, and then it came to Captain America. Yeah. I'm like, I'm kind of disappointed, but not <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I was wrong, but I'm not disappointed. In right, this. but this is still a great moment. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Yes, um, but but we're not supposed to, to be talking Iron about Man. <laughs> it's it, the problem with Iron Man is Iron Man is a fantastic standalone film. Oh, if it's nothing so had come after that, it still would have been a great, great film. But it's hard to talk about just Iron Man because it is the launching. Mm-hmm. The the it is what launched this entire MCU. Which is so unique and really interesting to just talk about the MCU as a whole. Because, like, yes. when, I mean, the like I said, I was comparing it to Harry Potter. But Harry Potter, at least, was, like, based off books. And mm-hmm. it makes sense for there to be a long series of books. This was the first time when it was just, like, movies. Yes. That were, like, a long, connected story told through several movies that had never been done before. So it's easy to get sidetracked and start going to talk about the rest of the series when you talk about Iron Man. It's a giant puzzle piece. It's a, it's it a puzzle. Each movie is its own piece yeah. making a full picture, and it's hard to talk about one piece of a puzzle. Right. And it's like talking about the first... It is like talking about the first book in a series. Like, if you start talking about the character in the first... Or, like, the first chapter. Like, you mm-hmm. you also got to talk about how they end their story. It's mm-hmm. like you... It, it's a complete story, but... We will try and stay focused and talk today just about Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about, um, we've kind of talked about our love of Iron Man, which I could keep doing for a really long time if oh, we just want to do that. This whole this whole episode <laughs> is just going to be our love of just Iron Man, the movie and the character the things and we love. everything about Iron yeah. Man. But I was going to say, we, we kind of alluded to it, and um, there's a lot of fun stuff about just the making of this movie, and yes. I wondered if you wanted to go in that direction. Sure. Awesome. Well, I I wanted to bring up because we kind of talked about it the casting mm-hmm. of Robert Downey Jr., which I think uh one of the greatest things I think Marvel Studios as a whole does is their casting. They do a really really great job with. They're very people. good with picking their people. So good, and people you wouldn't expect for various reasons. All like right. when Mark Ruffalo was announced to be like Bruce Banner, everybody was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's since been the best version of that character. And he's the first one to play the character in more than one movie. Yes, true. Very true. He's very successful with it. I think he does mm-hmm. a great job. That's a whole nother podcast. But um, mm-hmm. with uh, Robert Downey Jr. specifically, like he was not. He was a rock bottom. He was a rock bottom. No, He was basically blacklisted from Hollywood. No one wanted to work yeah. with him. This was still this is not so much the case now in Hollywood, but at the time it was very based on star power. Like he was like I feel like he was starting he he was starting to come back. He had been I think in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yes. And uh and he had, Sherlock Holmes. Well, Sherlock Holmes came after. Oh, it came after. He got the role of Sherlock Holmes from from Iron, Iron Man. Man. Oh, okay. Guy Ritchie wanted someone younger. Because he wanted a younger Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, interesting. Then he and then he saw, saw Iron Man and was like, yes. oh, he's great. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, someone, I think, referred, someone suggested Downey. Mm-hmm. And then Guy Ritchie was like, I want someone younger. And then he saw mm-hmm. Iron Man and he's like, no. Yeah, we, yeah, I understand. Get, get this guy. Kind of similar with Iron Man. Uh, the, the, studios re- the studio, Marvel Studios, really did not want him because of what we said like right. he, he, he was, was blacklisted he was blacklisted yeah. he was and your your films were your casting was so dependent on star power the casting was so based on like who is popular who is going to be a success success because if they're if they can bring people in like the the movie will succeed and nobody wanted him nobody wanted mm. robert downey jr he no. he he had not come back yet since since going hitting rock bottom and he was on like the first rung of the climb out of rock bottom yes and uh this and marvel studios had this was their first attempt at their own movie their they their company was near to bankrupt they were uh not in a great place this was like kind of a last ditch effort they had no money they they, there was so much pressure on this movie to succeed and be good that they did not want to attach 
someone like that to their project. Mm-hmm. But it was John Favreau who uh, said he had seen Robert in something else or he had met him, he had connected with him, and he was the one who was like, we have to cast him. And he fought really hard for this. And he didn't think he was going to win. He, he said once that he ended up telling Robert, like, I'm sorry, like, I tried, it's not going to happen. And Robert had told him, well, can I at least do, like, a screen test? And um, I don't want to give up, up hope on this. Can I do a screen test for this? There's some, something His I might screen be a little wrong about. were so cool to watch. Oh, yeah. And he, he did those screen tests. And John went and took it to uh, Marvel Studios. And Marvel Studios went, oh, okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, he did we, so uh, we good. understand now. <laughs> he did so good on his he, screen test. Gosh, he, he did amazing. And he just he brings that character to life mm-hmm. and like how we kind of talked about how we connect to that character so much it's because it's so his character is so authentic like the emotions his struggle and it's because robert understood he dealt with all of that himself right. and he was dealing with all of it right himself. he he literally it without the you know uh crime fighting robot suit and without the, the terrorist and all that but robert was living the the experiences that tony tony goes through in that movie the, yeah and he just he could bring so much of himself to that role and he just he and it and it shows yes it does you just feel the i always the authenticity yes i always talk about the authenticity not because the like plot is necessarily the most realistic thing ever but because the emotions in that movie the Mm -hmm. interactions between people that it just it is the pauses the pauses and that's another thing that so um, important so important and John Favreau did such a great job directing this movie because he's talked also about uh how superhero movies were all about action like the Infinity War is a great example of that Infinity War is a great example of that yeah, the Sometimes most stressful two hours pause. of my life <laughs> um but he said when they they there was a lot of back and forth on the script the script apparently went through several several rewrites during production there would be days when they were figuring out what they were going to shoot, mm-hmm. what the dialogue was going to be on set. And uh, John and Robert did a really, like, most of the work of rewriting. They brought in Shane Black, who went uncredited on the film, um, and he did some rewrites for it. But they really were just kind of figuring it out as they went. And uh, John would want to keep having these interactions between characters, these, like, dialogue moments, this, like, the scene between Pepper and Tony or like which one they're all amazing all of them you know, all of them end like, up having these just paused moments where yes. there's no dialogue and it's just it's just facial expressions right and you it's the, so beautifully powerful it is it's he knew that the 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 scenes with the emotions and with the pauses and the quiet is what was most important and what connected with people not the action scenes which are great can be really fun and are necessary for superhero stories but like it's the scenes of Tony sitting alone in his like guilt and regret. It's the scenes of him interacting with Pepper and them just kind of trading smiles. Like, and uh, Marvel wanted to cut more and more of that. And John is the one who really fought Mm -hmm. for that. Um, It's another example of how great of a director he is. Oh, he did a great job with this movie. It's, I I love a lot of his films, but this is, this is my favorite of his. He did. And he really succeeded where there, there was so much going against them with this film on paper there was so much the hiring robert downey Jr. they were very much the underdogs oh, they were and they totally rose up to the challenge yes. and killed it yes and it and the it being so successful is what paved the way for marvel to keep going uh yeah, speaking of those, um, just like the soft emotional moments in the scenes between Pepper and Tony, so good. Oh man, it's probably one of my favorite um, portrayals of a romance on film, and they don't even officially get together in the first movie. But just no, nothing happens on screen. No, that's what's beautiful about the entire relationship. Not even just in Iron Man one, but. Because in Iron Man 1, they, they set it up. Right. They set it up. They see the relationship that they currently have. You can tell, like, they're flirty, mm-hmm. still work, but kind of like there's stuff there. Um, they see how much they care about each other, even going as far as to physically say, you know, you're the only one I have. Right. And they both say it. Right. Um, but the span of all the movies, 
nothing happens on screen. That's very true. And it's nothing still one happens of the on screen. And it romances. is the most Oh, it's it's such a beautiful romance story. Like it's such a beautiful love story that mm-hmm. is told and I just think it was so well done. Especially because in this one movie, if this ended up being a standalone movie, he doesn't get the girl. Right. But but they leave it and they do such a great job of like you know what their feelings are. You know they're there for it's each other. Realistic. It's realistic. It's human. If they don't end the movie with a big dramatic kiss with like the, the victorious music, romantic right. music playing, you know after this film, they're still going to be in each yeah. other's lives. They're going to go closer. They're there for each other. It, you didn't need that like, it broke the mold of superhero film. Mm-hmm. Oh, they got to get together and kiss at the end. It was they like, even broke no, the mold. Even though, because in Iron Man 2, they did end up kissing, but they mm-hmm. broke the mold with Rhodey being there. And right, and kind of poking teasing fun at the them. moment. Oh, yeah. not even kind of. He was 100% poking <laughs> fun at them. One of my favorite scenes, by the way. I just Two seals <laughs> fighting over a grave. Like, that's how it's seals such a bre- fight. <laughs> not that. Um, it's such a best friend moment where he's just like, I'm just going to on both sides be making fun of my friends oh, now yeah. that they got together. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's oh, it's so soft and sweet in the first movie. It's so just it's you just it feels like you're watching two people with a who have liked each other for a long time, who've had these feelings, mm-hmm. who've worked beside each other for a long time. You're just watching them interact and it just it feels real. And you want them together, but you see all the reasons why they're not yet. Right. And you see that they want to be together, but they're not. And it aggravates you, but at the same time, you're like, I get it. I get it. It feel, it doesn't feel in the way a lot of action movies where the guy gets the girl at the end feels very forced and very like, he gets mm-hmm. the girl because, of course, he gets the girl. He has to get the girl. Superheroes always get That's the girl. That's right. That's how it ends. And everything gets wrapped up in a neat little bow. Uh, he saves the day and has a romance. This feels much more like this is just a moment out of their lives. Mm-hmm. Like this is an event that happened, but like not everything in their really. It do, it's not a formula. It doesn't have to like well the hit the beats and at the end it gets wrapped up nicely with a big nice kiss. This is like you're watching two people who actually care about each other, mm-hmm. and it's just natural interaction. Mm-hmm. It does not feel forced, and all their scenes feel that way. Like the just their dialogue feels. Kind I don't want to say like you're watching a documentary because it, it's not it doesn't feel that unscripted but it does feel like very very real real well the reason for that is because a lot of the dialogue wasn't written yeah because they had so many changes to the script they right. had to constantly change it they were focusing on like the action stuff right in the script at least and trying to set up the storyline like mm-hmm. they left dialogue to just kind of go yeah and that's and that goes back to the casting of that was such a great choice in in actors that right. they chose. Not just Robert, but like not, but, but the, Yeah, the whole crew. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gwyneth does a great job. Oh, she's and amazing they just play it. off each yeah. other really well. And I think I I think um, there's a, a unofficial uh, director's commentary out there with uh, John Favreau and you Robert. You still have to send me that. Oh, you have not do. sent it to me. I told me. her about it previously and I forgot to send the link. It's on SoundCloud if you guys want to go try and uh, Google it. But... Um, uh, John kind of talked about, like, I think both of them talked about, like, the scenes kind of never <laughs> were the same thing. Like, they, they would do a take, and then, like, it would be different. The, the, the lines would be different. Every take was kind of fresh and new. So it became less about people repeating dialogue to each other and more about people talking to each other. And having a conversation. Right, and reacting to what they said and reacting in a real way. And he also talks about how he likes to fit characters to actors because um it feels more real when a actor is bringing themselves into the role versus trying to like have the actor play a character and so he like there were moments that would happen uh behind the scenes or he would just watch how people acted and how they spoke and he would pull it into the script like the moment where pepper corrects tony about the um Something about the spring period. He's, they're talking about art pieces. Oh, it was where he grew up, not the right. season. Right. And she just has that, like, she has to correct him on what he's saying. That was, it was wrong in the script. And Gwyneth knows a lot about art. And she. Oh, really? Yes. That's She amazing. came to uh, John and she was like, I just, 
just need you to know it's it's not actually because he did it in spring. It's because <laughs> <laughs> John was like, I'm putting that in the script. That is something Pepper would say. Yes, that is so amazing. <laughs> so a lot it, that is part of what makes it feel so real is it is, is people bringing themselves into the role and then just mm-hmm. communicating. Yeah. Just talking to each other, being reacting people. to each other, being people, pausing at the right moments, not trying to remember specific dialogue mm-hmm. but just being and it's just it's the movie is really special in that way yeah it's more improv that way it is because you're bouncing off each other so much of that movie is improv and i think most of what got scripted was probably like you said the like plot stuff yeah like but the, the action <laughs> scenes and the plot heavy right sections but now that i even say that i remember they said that when they first so they filmed another thing that really helped this movie they filmed it most I think almost entirely in chronological order, mm-hmm. which is very odd. That doesn't usually happen. And so they I feel like it should, though. It, it it has to do with, you know, if you have a lot of locations and different schedules and can you shoot everything and like if you're going back and forth from one location to another, like yes. you want to get everything done at that location first. But like and that side of it makes sense. And this is coming from someone who doesn't actually do anything in film is just a very avid fan of film Mm -hmm. i feel like once you get the common sense of doing as much as you can in one location at a time isn't it the smartest to do everything in chronological order if you're once once you get past once you hit the practicality of there's yeah doing everything in chronological order in one location and then trying to like once you get the logistics side isn't it smart and Yes, but it, it's so much of it is based on just the logistics. Like you even had to think about uh, the more days someone is on set, mm-hmm. um, the more you had to pay them. True. So if you have a character that comes into a scene in the beginning of the movie and then doesn't come in until like halfway through the movie again, mm-hmm. you have to do all their scenes together so that you can wrap them and stop paying them. It's fair. It's it's uh, most of it with the order stuff is very based on money, based on availability of people, availability okay. of locations, like are you going to be able to get this location at the point, like if you have a location at the end of the movie, but you only are able to get it at the beginning of your shoot date, Mm -hmm. you have to shoot that first because you don't have the location later. So the problem is so much of it is just logistical stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it it would be ideal from a like acting point of view and from a like just From a storytelling point point of view? view, Absolutely, Uh. it would be ideal to shoot everything in chronological order, but it just... It's a business, schedules, money, things like that have Makes huge sense. effects on filmmaking. So, But this one, they were lucky that they could shoot in chronological order because they were writing the story as they went. If they had <laughs> so shot they needed it out to of order, <laughs> it would have been a disaster. Yes. They, they talked about, they didn't even, the, the Tony Stark, proof that Tony Stark has a heart, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, the arc reactor uh, plate thing, plate thing commemorative thing that pepper gives tony that wasn't in the script they literally came up with that after they had done that scene i think it might have been i think they said it might have been gwyneth who came up with the idea or it might have been a prop person and it's so iconic now yes they just like they just made it and they had it because it was a sweet little moment it wasn't supposed to come back in the end for Tony to use it to save his life when he had no arc reactor. What was he supposed to use then? It, they didn't. They were developing the script. Was he supposed to die? They they, I guess they said that as they were developing that part, they realized, hey, we have this. He has an arc reactor from Pepper. He has the old one. It's there. Let's bring that back in and use it. But they didn't have that plan before they started. Like that got developed as they went. Wow. Right. That's, like, a huge part of the movie. It, you look at it now, and you're like, how can you take that part, like, that thread of that, that, I don't know what to because call it. Because that, 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 that was, thing. that was, they couldn't have had the big final fight with Obadiah right, without it. I, 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 like, I don't know if they had in mind like a different way for him to get an arc reactor and it was just that they realized, oh, this has more emotional weight and this ties back, this mm-hmm. like ties back earlier into the story to have this. Maybe they were thinking, why wouldn't he, once he's back in his home, why wouldn't he keep one on reserve? Maybe. It's very possible that there was another explanation 
Or it's also equally possible with how much the script changed that he wasn't supposed to lose the arc reactor for in the first place. And maybe they made that choice maybe. during the process and then now went, I'm well, so now curious. he has to get it back. Oh my I gosh. I have so many questions. I want to. I wish I was there on set. I just want to know because the I want to pick Sean Favreau's brain. Yes, so yes. bad. But it's just it's it's so interesting to know that this was just kind of developed as they went. It's yes. amazing this movie turned out as good as it did and as successful as it I did. No, it's reminding me <laughs> of film festival right level so work so <laughs> we've done the uh 48 hour film project together if anybody's uh unfamiliar with it it's you um get assigned a genre and some like items you have to include in your film and you have 48 hours to create a short film and it's very much that process it's you're developing as you go you have no time to really go through pre-production you're just like coming up with things on the spot when we did it together we um had to do reshoots because we realized we were there was a huge chunk from the middle of the story that was like missing and so and we I remember you developed changed something on the spot with hours to go yeah and you changed the ending like right before we had to turn it in i did so um that's very much how iron man sounds like it was it just took yeah. place over many more days than 48 hours. 48 hours um, been two days <laughs> man i i I can only imagine the stress that the uh, people at Marvel Studios felt during this movie because I would be looking at the production going, is this going to be a good movie? Is this going to work? Are we going to lose all our money on this movie? <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. Like, what were Kevin... Feige's thoughts. Good lord. Probably not very positive. I'm gonna guess nobody no. thought this was gonna work out. No. But it did. Yeah. They 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 made it they had the thing is they had a lot of really creative people who understood their characters, who understood the story, who knew what mm -hmm. they were trying to achieve in terms of like the themes and the, the heart of the story and they um just worked together very well to get it done. Yeah. I feel like it's like they just collected a group of mis misfits. It kind of feels like that when you look at like where people, like it's hard to think of now. Right. Like, I mean, Favreau just directed like a multi-million dollar massive Disney film. And Again. Right. And um, he is Disney's golden child. He really is at this point. Mm -hmm. But, and, and this wasn't even, they weren't even, when he did Iron Man, they weren't even Disney yet. But. Right. Um, you, you had looking, it's hard to imagine now where all these people were at like the most successful were probably um, well he did elf john had and done so some stuff yes yeah. but he'd never done anything like as big as as big as this. i feel like elf was probably his biggest thing i think which so, was yeah. still really big yeah it's it's still big to no, this elf day is a fantastic it's, film oh it's amazing it. i forgot he directed it and then i was watching it this past christmas season <laughs> he comes and I in and you're like well yeah i saw him and i'm like Wait, what? Because I know he does like little cameos like yes. that in his movies, and then, but um, but in the beginning they do kind of like an I, if I'm remembering, they do like an intro, like. Um, they do like intro credits mm -hmm. in this movie, and in it it said directed by John Favreau, <laughs> even before the movie started, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I forget this? Right. And then I saw him in it, and like, and I could tell once I knew it, I could tell like. Oh, that's like yeah the little things that John does. Yeah. But yeah, before Iron Man, I feel like Elf was probably his like biggest probably. thing. And I think he had just done that if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. That was the one right before Iron Man. I'm I wanna say it was like two thousand five. Not positive, but and Gwyneth was pretty successful, I think. And um Jeff Bridges of course was, but like it like you have a studio that's never put out a movie before, you have no script, you have <laughs> Like an actor nobody wanted. <laughs> it's Elf came out in 2003. Oh, wow. My gosh. I'm still struggling to like believe that Iron Man came out as many years ago as it did. I know. 12 years. I know. My gosh. But side note about uh, just John in uh, making cameo roles. One of my favorite like uh, story threads through the whole MCU is just like the growing uh, importance and relevance of uh, Happy Hogan. 
Yes. And just like he starts off as like having like two lines in Iron Man, just like barely being in it. And by Spider Man, he's like a very important character. He's like Oh yeah, by Spider Man Far From Home, he's one of the supporting leads. Yeah. And I just I I've I've always loved how they did Happy's character in these movies. He's just a fun character. It I've just really enjoyed watching him become a more and more relevant character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's great. And he he has the room now to do more acting because he's not directing at the same time. Yes. Yes. I wish he directed more in the MCU. I wish he had too. He stayed on as a, a executive producer, I think, for pretty much every movie past that. Maybe not every movie, but quite a few of them. I think the ones that involved Iron Man. Okay. Right. That would make sense. I don't know that for sure, I, but I feel like... I don't know for sure either. And I then, just of course, like the Spider-Man ones, I'm pretty... Right. Is he? I don't know. I don't know. Actually, maybe we should say things we without checking. <laughs> something we should look up. He has been involved in Marvel since, in the MCU since. He, even without directing more stuff, he has oh been yeah. in a producer role. And an acting role, of course. Sorry. Oh, they're doing a Jungle Book too. Oh. I, according to IMDb. It wasn't my favorite, but the original was never my favorite either. So uh, so he has been an executive producer for... He was an executive producer of Cowboys and Aliens. I think he directed Cowboys and Aliens. Wait, what? I'm pretty sure. Oh. Uh, Please go look at that for me. <laughs> he did. He directed yep, it. I knew it. Okay. That's what he did instead of Iron Man 3. No, I think he did so that instead I secretly of uh, Avengers. Well, I think that was when Joss did Avengers. I secretly really like Cowboys and Aliens. No, I think it's a hilarious, fun, Daniel silly Curry. movie. Okay, so he was the executive producer. I've only seen it once, though. I've seen it a couple times because okay. they play it on TV. Yeah. And so, um, so he was the executive producer for Iron Man, Iron Man 2, The Avengers, Iron Man 3, Age of Ultron, Infinity War, so and Endgame. Almost everything with Tony in it. Yes. Got it. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been for the Spider-Mans. I know. Interesting. He's the executive producer for Young Sheldon on CBS. Interesting. And I think what's fun about uh, his catalog is wor- of work is that it's all... there's. <laughs> So many different things in it that you would like never expect him to be involved in. Oh, like, it's so he just different. Does a lot of different projects, which is fun. Yes. I'm sorry. IMDb is a rabbit friend. hole. It is. It's a big rabbit <laughs> hole, especially because they show future projects. Oh yeah, and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah, I just really liked it. <laughs> I just. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's not my ultimate favorite movie, but it's like in the top ten. It, it still has a special place in my heart. It, it will always have a special yeah. place in my heart. It's I just it's a good. Um, it's like a the soundtrack. I just need a movie that I know I love, and it's just like it's you can turn your brain off. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I love Iron Man. It's great. The soundtrack. The oh soundtrack is fantastic. Gosh. I love it so much. I was listening to it on my way here. I have the CD um, of the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud of how much I paid to grab it. (laughs) Because you can't find it anywhere. Really? Uh Uh-huh. I found someone was selling CDs on Amazon. Weird. Like, I literally could not find it on any streaming service. I couldn't find anywhere to buy the CD except for on Amazon. So I I paid a little bit for it. I have the uh, uh, the original soundtrack, like the score. Um, but that's what I'm talking about. That one? Yeah. Oh, I you can't find it anywhere. Really? Yeah, you can't I find the score. iTunes. Well, I don't have iTunes. Oh, that one. Okay. <laughs> I don't use Apple. Gotcha, gotcha. This was several years ago. I bought bought that. Um, yeah, I'm talking yeah, about fantastic. the score. Okay, okay, yeah. The score, yeah. Not not like the songs. The songs were good. Yeah. But I meant like the score. Got it. Yo, yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. Um, it's my favorite part is <laughs> I feel like such a random. It's so random. My favorite part is the hi hat that he used to record. I'm not a music person. I don't know what that so, means. So 
the drummer, mm-hmm. the person on a drum set. Mm-hmm. So, like, imagine me playing a drum set right now. Okay. okay. So, you have your bass drum on your right foot. You have the snare drum sitting here that you play with your right hand. And that cymbal that sits here, you know, that... Yes. That's the hi-hat. Okay. The... I don't know this for certain, but it sounds like he used two different sized heads. Okay. Um, I can't tell if it was the top is bigger or the bottom one is bigger, but it's two different sizes is what it sounds like to me. Okay. Um, and it's just like the dirty just. It does have kind of a gritty sound so to the soundtrack. I love it's it. Literally, like I, my first instrument I learned to play was drums. Mm-hmm. which I think is probably why I nerd out about. And it's the most random thing. <laughs> I've never nerded about out about a hi-hat over anything <laughs> else. But just, I don't even know. It's just, it's just well it's done. Just it's just so good. well done. It's just, the whole sound, the whole score is very gritty. Very, it's, it's But it matches the character. Great. He, if I have this correct, he composed the whole thing on electric guitar and then transpose every orchestral piece, like, from guitar into each piece, huh. e- into each instrument. It does. I if, I, if, if I have my information correct, okay. please let me know if I'm wrong, but I'm very certain I'm correct. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a music person. I'm not, I've, I've tried to play many instruments and failed at all of them, but... <laughs> um, I can tell about the soundtrack that there's something I love it. different than like a normal orchestra soundtrack. That it, d- oh it does amazing. not sound the same. The first track, track number one and track number three are my two favorites. I w- track number one is called Driving with the Top Down. <laughs> yes. And it's kind of, and it's like the theme track. Yes. It's not what's played in the beginning of the movie, but it's like the theme score piece. Yes. And most scores... That's what happens when you get to the album is the first track on an album score is the theme piece Mm -hmm. to the movie. And it is my favorite, Driving with the Top Down. It's so gritty, dirty. It has the Iron Man little lick to it. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. And then number three is called Merchant of Death. Oh, I can't the title of it. That's the title of it. It's very similar to Driving with the Top Down. Um, It takes place... It's either the moment when he's driving from his house to the airport to go to Afghanistan. Yes. No, I think it's... Um, no, I'm... <sighs> Wait, Merchant of Death? Yes. Okay, I was thinking Driving with the Not top Driving down. with Top Down. Driving with the Top Down is the theme piece, so it's mm-hmm. not anywhere entirely specific in the movie. Got it. The theme piece, again, people who are listening... I am not a professional. Please tell me if I'm wrong. But I'm fairly certain the theme piece is almost never specifically in the in the track as it's recorded. Like okay. pieces of it will be in because it is the theme piece and that right. underlying theme is in most of it. So like there will be certain licks and pieces that will keep reoccurring in every track or okay. almost every track. Um, but for the most part, after the theme piece, you can almost track where it's going. Right. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I think Merchant of Death is the track when he is racing happy to the airport. Got it. Like, it's just that dirty rock sound. Yeah. I love it so much. It's it's a great, it's uh, like a lot with Iron Man and just the filmmaking of Iron Man and the specific way it was made. It is my favorite soundtrack from the whole MCU. Like, (laughs) yes. That one and Iron Man 3's that Brian Tyler composed. Okay. It's a to- for me it's a toss up between the two. They're two very different pieces that both match Tony Stark. Hmm. The Iron Man 3 piece that Brian Tyler composed is actually on my arm. It's this oh. one. The stop part right here. She has a lovely tattoo. I do. I have a great tattoo. Yes. Music notes. Safe house tattoo in Nashville. <laughs> Um, Adam, this isn't something. specifically about the soundtrack, but it does kind of it, it does tie in the music. Um, there, just fun, fun fact: uh, the sound that plays in the casino scene in the background 
is the the original. It is the original yes. 60s yeah. Iron Man theme, the instrumental he version of it. So, yes and no. Well, it's it's not pulled directly. It's like it's like a but the new the version, score right? album has the original track as a bonus track. Mm, um, but it's recomposed. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's recomposed as a big band. The original one still has vocals to it. And so okay. they recomposed it to make it match the movie. Got it. And and it doesn't stand out as being like an awkward like oh what's this it random fits. like song? It fits no, it totally so fits. well. Yeah. Cuz that's who Tony Stark was. Yeah. In the um, casino. Uh, two other fun just easter eggs c- for comics people. Um the uh the group that captures him in Afghanistan is called the 10 Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was alluding to the Mandarin because mm-hmm. the Mandarin wears ten rings, um, but I, I think I like magic rings. I'm I'm not the best. I don't know everything about the comics. I I've read I've read a few of them, but I th- um, the Mandarin was supposed to be the original villain in Iron Man one, and because he's one of the most iconic Iron Man villains, and they kind of didn't know how to do the Mandarin, and so instead they went with Obadiah Stark. Or not Obadiah Stark, Obadiah Stane. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Um, uh, inside the Mandarin. But they did allude to him with the Ten Rings. And then there, so <laughs> this is something I found on Google. And I've been trying to watch it every time, watch for this every time I've watched the movie. Somehow I've never caught it on the screen yet. But supposedly in the big fight at the end when he's like going through the s- streets and like hits a car and things like that, there is a billboard with something alluding to fing fang foom on it which fing fang foom is a dragon who is also one of tony stark's villains in uh, the comics don't ask me why comics are wild (laughs) he's a talking dragon (laughs) Uh, i have never read a comic book for anyone who's listening to know um and i probably won't ever read a comic book because i have a weird thing about having to read stuff in order <laughs> and it's really hard to do that it's with comics really hard to get into comics they've been going for years and there's no clear starting point and it's really yeah so hard. i've given up even before i've started on that <laughs> endeavor yeah i've i've read just a few runs here and there um but i, d- I did i kind of want to read the new iron man 2020 I haven't, so I know nothing about it. I've just seen Marvel talking about it. Gotcha. Because um, it literally came out this year. Mm-hmm. And they'll just, like, they'll post about it because mm-hmm. it's marketing and I'm they're doing their job. more Tony in the movies. I know. Now we got to go to comics. Which I still won't do. <laughs> but now I'm curious. No, Are you no looking wifi. up Bing Bang Boom? There's no Wi-Fi. I was okay. going to look. <laughs> I was going to play the movie on my phone and just, like, look for but it. I've looked for it, like, every time. I never see it. Apparently, it's just a billboard in the background. And I can't remember if it's, like, a picture of a dragon or if it is, like, something that alludes to him. But supposedly, a Google list has told me. I've seen this on and a few different And the internet sites. is always correct. The internet is always correct. No, I've seen it I've seen it listed on a few different uh, lists about, like, just, like, Easter eggs in Iron Man and random things in Iron Man. And so it must be there. I just... <laughs> Never been able to see it. There's an Easter egg in Onward that alludes to Infinity War. Whoa, wait, what's that? Listen to my podcast and you'll find out. (laughs) Okay, we'll do. It is discussed in a later episode. (laughs) The Onward podcast episode will be out soon. Check it out. (laughs) I am not on that one. I haven't even seen Onward. It might be out soon. It might be out soon. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have a plan. (laughs) I am not a very organized person. It's okay. Yeah. Go where the winds take you. We'll Whatever go. movie. Whatever's calling the heart. Calling your name. Oh <laughs> <at that moment. laughs> uh, man. Yes, there is an Easter egg. Oh, in onward. Um, it is discussed in that episode. Okay. So I'm not gonna tell you. Gotcha, gotcha. That, that's that is funny though. Yep. Is there anything else you want to talk about? The thing is, I I could probably keep going for a very long time and just keep getting on to uh, rabbit rabbit holes mm-hmm. there's so much fun stuff about the making of it I'll try and do this 
story really quickly, but because Jan knew he wanted to do so much like improv, uh, really keep this very like real dialogue between people, he, he talked about how he kept it a two-camera setup, one camera on each person, mm-hmm. so that they could capture whatever improv happened. And he, he talked about how he knew he was sacrificing some more interesting and unique camera setups to get that authentic dialogue. And I just think it's, it's very interesting to see, like, he really knew what he wanted from this and what he wanted was that, like, realistic dialogue of people mm-hmm. playing off each other. So I, I could keep going on rabbit holes like that for a long time or just talking about the things I really love in this movie. There's a lot of, like, beautiful symbolism and, like, the um, scene where he sees his reflection in the mirror and he's, like, uh, dealing with all his regret and anger at himself. It's one of my favorite. Himself. Oh, it's a great scene. It's one of my no favorite dialogue. scenes. There's the only dialogue in it is the TV reporter. Yes. It's Even if that could be considered scene. dialogue. And I, I don't think it even is. It's kind of just background noise. It's so beautiful. It's you can see all of the emotions yes. in his reflection. even b- And even before he gets to the mirror, when he's just standing there and the first time he shoots it. Yes. Like, that's a very iconic picture. Yes. When he's standing there in the tank top with yes. the gauntlet on and it's like, and mm-hmm. he's holding it out. It's a very iconic picture, but you can see the anger, the self-hatred. Yes. It's not even just anger. It's self-hatred yes. towards himself. And when he shoots it, and then he walks to the windows, and you can see his reflection and just mm-hmm. how much he just didn't love himself. He right. didn't like himself. Right. And he snaps, and then the scene just gets uh, more and more violent. Yes. And he's shooting, taking out all these windows. And, it's and the way it cuts to the suit oh my gosh Uh, that is one of the most beautiful suit up moments oh it's fantastic ever that's what i love about the like that's what i love about the original handful of suits before it got more cgi'd was the the like the suitcase one like the way that they real oh just the way they suited up it felt like a physical suit and just watching it like watching it happen obviously Watching it be put together, it was all CGI, but it, it right, looked right. so amazing. Right, but they did they did a great mix of practical suit mm-hmm. and CGI, yes. which really helped sell it. And just it feels clunky. He fe- like when he walks around in it, it feels clunky. It feels hard to move in. It feels like it's and it is. It's a giant suit right. of titanium. Right. It just it feels tangible in a way that. As cool as the nanotech suit is on like a in a like idea form of like bleeding edge suit. Bleeding edge is really cool. Yes. But it's not the same. He li- he looks you look at the screen and I'm like, you're not wearing anything. You're wearing a, a green onesie. I know you are. It's not even that. He shows up in a sweater. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Robert wears anything he wants to say at this point. Oh yeah. But um like for Civil War, half the time he spent it in a green room in something probably about the size of what we're in, just in a green screen room right. just looking at a camera. Right. Everyone else is dressed to the nines in <laughs> spandex suits, filming in Atlanta in the middle of summer. Oh He's gosh. in an air-conditioned room. Nice. <laughs> the perks of being Iron Man. But, yeah, this the suit is fantastic in the first one. There, that Just the, the, the scenes of just great visual storytelling with no dialogue. There's just, yeah, there's just so much I can talk about with this movie if we want to just keep going for five years and all our tan- spiraling tangents and thoughts but the the physical suit that looks so much better and just the the visual storytelling and just moments of just like no dialogue and just mm-hmm. there, there's there's a lot about this movie that I just love it's iconic it set a it set a standard it did I I actually I, I will say I as much as I've enjoyed the direction the MCU has gone, and I enjoyed Endgame, and I've enjoyed later movies very much. There's a lot about Iron Man that I wish we could get back to, and just mm-hmm. those silent moments, those visual moments, those like less CGI, more like grounded, and mm-hmm. like I mean, still go for aliens and crazy comic oh, yeah. stuff. Go for it; it's awesome. I I've been pushing for them to do the multiverse in uh mcu which they're going to i don't know they said they were going to and then they faked this out in spider-man homecoming and I was well they alluded to it in the first doctor strange that was the first time they talked about a multiverse was in doctor strange 
and then they used it as a fake out in Spider-Man Far gotcha. From Home. Gotcha. But Doctor Strange 2 is literally called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, I need to watch It's going to be Strange. the first. <laughs> it's the only one I haven't seen. It's going to be the first, and I, and I use quotations, horror movie because. No, it's not. Well, it's good. They're, they're well, let me finish. Okay. I don't remember if it was either Kevin Feige or the director of Doctor Strange said it's not a horror movie, but it's it's not a horror movie, but it essentially is going to be a horror movie. Okay, I'm suddenly intrigued in this movie, and I've never cared about Doctor Strange to me. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So interesting. I do. I do kind of as much as I'm excited about some of the future Marvel movies, like I get why like it should have ended with him doing the finale i just i they needed far from home far from home wrapped it up yeah i think far from home should have come out now it came out too soon i was still getting whiplash from like all the emotions in endgame far from home game no so what i liked was far from home gave me closure Mm. it um yeah it gave me closure more than more than anything else. Mm. Uh, so I, I think it was fine. Um, yeah. But Far From Home was definitely like the bridge between. I am very apprehensive for future Marvel I projects. Same. I, I, I think. I cannot wait for the third Spider-Man just because I need to see. Right. Like I, I what happens next with that story arc right. because I can't. And that story has already been started. That's the thing. Yes. It's all the ones aside from that one are like new stories. I am very excited for the TV shows though. Yeah. No, there's uh, there's some future projects that are really fun. There's some new uh, uh, stories that are interesting. There's some like uh, directing yeah. choices and casting that is really interesting. But it does feel like they succeeded with the MCU and it was such a like crazy experiment and it was like will this actually work and they pulled it off and then you gave this fun now they feel invincible I know and I'm a little worried because uh-huh. it also is just kind of the thing of like not everything needs a sequel and like yeah. you don't always k- need to keep going and it felt like Endgame it's like you wrapped up one long story and we got closure mm-hmm. and it ended and sometimes it's okay for things to end and it's better if it ends right. and it and almost feels like I wish the series as yes. a whole would end. And you can keep some storylines going, like Spider-Man. Yeah. That's one that definitely could keep going. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the projects that are like the original characters. Mm. Or even, not even the original, but more original than what's coming. Because mm-hmm. like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, I, 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 I will say I'm super excited. Cannot wait for that Love one. It. Can't wait. Purely because of the chemistry between oh Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie, and Sebastian. And Stan. both those characters, you can do so much more with them. The they chemistry they between their really characters and the chemistry between the actors. Yes, like no, they're fantastic. Oh my goodness, I'm I very excited. Cannot for wait. And then, and did you see it's short-haired Bucky? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a sucker for short hair. I I can't help it. <laughs> Like World War Two, Bucky was looking my good. guy. He's looking good. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're bringing that back in a modern look, and I'm very excited. Um, and Loki. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I I'm not as excited for it, but that's just you like the character a lot more than I do. So I do. Yeah, I think it's because my it's my sister's favorite character, mm. and it's kind of brushed off on me. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited to see what they do with it. Yeah apprehensive but excited mm-hmm. in terms of all their because it's supposed to be like about him like jumping around in time mm-hmm. and just creating mischief mm-hmm. and it's it's the loki if if i remember correctly if they haven't changed it it's the loki from 2012 they that disappeared the, yeah that disappeared yes Ooh, tesseract forgot what it was called for a second yes so i want a movie about that 2012. So much went wrong. <laughs> they changed so, so many things. So many things so happened many things. in that little time period <laughs> that it was great. If there's ever a reunion, please make that be the reunion video or the yeah. reunion movie, please. <laughs> Cuz that would be amazing. Yeah, it was good. Uh, but always just fun. Always the first one, still the best in my opinion. I think it's still the strongest film in the mm-hmm. series. 
If you haven't seen it, why are you listening oh to this? Oh my gosh, why are you listening Go to check this? it out. Also, who hasn't seen <laughs> the Iron Man at this point? My best friend didn't see it until okay. last year. Fair. I guess there's some. And it took me four years to convince her to watch it. What did she think? She loved it. Of course. She didn't tell me she was watching it, and she watched it at, like, one in the morning, and I'm asleep, and I wake up to, no joke, 25 unread text messages, and I'm like... <laughs> her just gushing I, her emotions. Well, and before I saw who it was, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> what did I miss while I was asleep? Right. And it was her reaction, like, in time with what she was watching in the movie, um, and, like, most of it was GIFs. <laughs> gif reactions and she picked the best ones and it was the best thing ever to see <laughs> and now she's as almost as big of a fan as we are nice and i feel proud because it's a great movie that's what great movies yeah. do you get pulled in oh yeah and she knew she would get sucked in that's why she resisted so oh much <laughs> she's like i don't want to get sucked into the marvel wormhole she's like, i'm I like but it's worth it i can't be an mcu fan i can't it's do it it's so <laughs> worth it uh and yeah now she is that's great Iron Man, go check it out. Go rewatch it. It's so great. It's always good for a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Still holds up. Fantastic movie. Yeah. See you guys next time. Bye. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. And if you have any movie facts or questions you want to add, send us an email at moviesandmochas20 at gmail.com. Or if you have any movie suggestions you want to add to our list, let us know what you want us to talk about. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for the Movies and Mochas podcast. Have a great day, guys. How long did we end up talking about that? Uh, way too long. Yeah, I figured.